Hey everyone, Nick Chamberlain here, and I just wanted to let you know that we are coming out with new episodes very soon. So stay tuned, and you're going to love what we have to offer inside the offer. Hello and welcome to Inside the Offer, a podcast that is dedicated to connecting and bringing life to those who are on a mission to provide for their family by building their own successful business. We believe that the key to standing out in the crowded world of entrepreneurship is having a unique offer that sets your business apart. Whether you're a stay-at-home parent looking to create a side hustle, a recent college graduate with an entrepreneurial spirit, or a seasoned business owner, this podcast is for you. We'll sit down with individuals who have navigated the unique challenges of self-employment to share their stories and insights. We'll uncover the paths that have led them to where they are today and the strategies they use to build and grow their businesses. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher so together we can inspire each other to reach our goals and create a fulfilling future for our families. Let's go. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Inside the Offer. I'm your host, Nick Chamberlain. I have a very unique episode for you today because I sit down with former Marine Jason Fry and we discuss his journey from the military to working on Capitol Hill to co-founding Terrapin Strategy, a government affairs and consulting tech startup firm that focuses on helping startups navigate the complexities of government regulations and policies. So if you're ready to take a look into the world of government affairs and explore how businesses can effectively engage with policymakers to achieve their goals, then look no further because my conversation with Jason Fry starts right now. Okay, Jason, tell us a little bit about Terrapin strategy and just how the idea of Terrapin came into existence. I would probably say, if I was being fully honest, the idea kind of came on my first day as a young Hill staffer, I was, you know, old by traditional Hill staffer standards, right? I was 29. Um, but I was, it was my first day and they handed me a bill and they said, okay, we want you to run this piece of legislation down, find out, you know, who supports it, who doesn't support it. And I said, oh, well, where's our position on this issue before? Right. You know, where, how have we voted up until today on this bill? And they said, mm-hmm. Oh, look in the common drive. So I open up the common drive and I'm thinking, like, I'm working for US Congress, right? Like, this is going to be great. Like, I'm going to get all this information. I'm going to get, you know, 240 years of legislative knowledge and experience. And it's all going to be fed into this one little system that's going to be used just for me. And I'm going to figure this out on my first day. And I open up the transportation folder. And this member of Congress had been in office for six years at that, or what was it, five or six years at that point. There wasn't a single document <laughs> in that folder. There wasn't <laughs> no. a single vote rec. There wasn't a single news release, nothing. And again, this has nothing to do with irresponsible legislative staffers. This is just the nature of the business, right? You're doing so much so quickly, right? It's really hard to you know, catalog and categorize this information. And I was just sitting there first day, just January 28th, 2013, sitting there. And I said, 
somebody needs to build something that does this because mm. I'm being tasked with making really, really important decisions. And I don't know how this person's voted before. And I went back and found not just for this member, but for other members where people, depending on the legislative staffer, would vote differently depending on the bill and depending on the, the year. And I asked somebody about it, like a, you know, a mentor. And I just said, Hey, you know, why does that happen? And he was like, because we, there's no way we can tell, right? Like one year, it's a good idea. One year, it's a bad idea, but it's the same idea. And I was like, okay, somebody needs to fix this. So January 28th, you know, 2013, I said, okay, I'm, this is an idea. And just along the way, right. And then if I applied my military background or my private, you know, uh, business background, right. To it, those things, you know, different lessons and different needs and different problems became really apparent to me. And especially when I would jump from one kind of an industry within the government to another, right. It became really, really clear. Oh, some of these problems have never been solved. And when I talk to my friends and my family, or I talk to people that are coming in to lobby me, or I'm lobbying them, these problems are persistent across multiple verticals. And there's got to be some type of way to fix this. And we're going to get a better government as a result. And that was like really the nexus point. So we're at uh, just, a, just over 10 years. <laughs> this has taken me uh, to build. Okay, so you're inside the government doing government work on Capitol Hill. I'm assuming that's what you meant by the Hill staffer. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And you're just discovering all of these issues and problems within the, the government organization, organizing the organization within the, within the government. Right. And, okay, so you have all these ideas, all these problems and issues going on. So how do you move on to the next step of figuring out okay, I, I want to create a solution for these issues. Um, what was maybe kind of like the first solution you came up with? So the, the first one that we, you know, obviously the easiest one to come up with is, well, I'm going to be a lobbyist. I'm going to be a contract, you know, lobbyist or consultant, right? That's the easiest one, right? That's the most like, oh, like I like working on cars. I'm going to be a mechanic. And in no way is, you know, like, lobbying like 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 mechanic work it's but it at the same time it's like okay well, that's the most obvious thing you're going to do right oh you like cars you should be a mechanic like oh you like government you should be a lobbyist right and that's at least i think how if you don't want to work in government you don't want to work for a policy center or something like that right that was what you would do um the the larger like initial product that is sort of like the intellectual foundation behind terrapin um is a product called upstream and that product took a really long time to develop and to hash out. I don't think I would have come up with this idea had I not worked, you know, gone from the military to the legislature, to uh, a policy center, to corporate side, to a boutique firm, right, to our company. I don't think I ever would have come up with those things because I've worked with different types of platforms. I worked with different types of audiences. I had clients, right? Like if you're a legislative person, right? You don't have clients, right? If you work for the government, you don't have clients. Um, but you do, you have that as a, as a uh, consultant, or you may have customers uh, on the private sector, or you may have donors uh, in the policy world. And they all have different needs and they all have different wants. And there's all these like disparate audiences that are all trying to get to pretty much the same point. And so it, I don't think I would have come up with a concept had I not done 
something in all those different spaces, right? And saw that persistent problem occur across different verticals uh, within the government market. Yeah. So you have a vast extensive background that we haven't really dived into any of that, but all these experiences that you have gone through have led you up to creating this product called Upstream. Can you give us a little idea of what Upstream is and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we identified was, and again, I identified this as a, as a young staffer, okay, was that there's a whole lot of communication problems um, there's like three major things, right? You've got to get your issue in front of the government. You got to have successful communication and you have to, uh, uh, set yourself up for long-term success. Like at the end of the day, nothing I say today, nothing I ever say to any client or any prospect or any friend <laughs> or my children will ever be more important than those three things is you got to get your issue in front of the government. You got to improve your com- communication with your audience and you, uh, you have to set yourself up for long-term success. And so we said, okay, well, what are the, what are the, what are the components of that? Right. And so at the end of the day, um, you know, knowledge and control is what everybody's after, right? They want to know, you know, what they need to know and who they need to know in order to control events to the greatest extent that they can. Right. So say you're in like a highly regulated industry, like say cattle or, you know, beef producing or something, you know, agriculture, mm-hmm. you're not the only farmer, right? You're not the only farmer association, right? There's a whole lot of people that are in your space. So who do you need to know? What's your knowledge uh, portion? And then what do you need to know in order to control events uh, to the greatest extent that you can? And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, you know, you're an emperor, you're an overlord and you're going to control the entire universe, but maybe it's changing the pricing on, you know, uh, subsidies, uh, you know, by a half of a percent, because then that keeps one of your farms open. Um, And you know the right person, right? You've established a relationship. You've got your issue in front of the government. You've improved your communication. You've set yourself up for long-term success. And so now consumers can get more beef products, uh, you know, at however that is, right? Whether it's at the grocery store or something, you know, a restaurant or something else. Because, you know, how the government looks at things, and I think a lot of people forget this, the government looks at something as like, okay, well, if we make, especially the federal government, if we make an investment in something, how many jobs is that going to create, right? So it's like, okay, well, we're going to lower or we're going to raise the the subsidies for uh, beef at the grocery store. Okay, well, that means that maybe that grocery store can hire another person. And then for every grocery store person, that means there's a new, you know, there's now there's another delivery driver, right? That's bringing more beef. There's more servers at the restaurants. So there's more cooks at the restaurant. There's more marketing people, right? As you go further and further away, right? So that's how mm-hmm. government kind of comes up with some of these like, cockamamie schemes on like, oh, like, oh, we did, you know, we created 7 million jobs, right? Because they're using a simple formula, but that's Ah, their thinking in some ways, right? And of course there's like the, you know, Bureau of Labor Statistics telling you how many jobs were created. But at the same time, they're also looking at, okay, well, if we're going, so like ESG, so the green bank gets started $30 billion, the federal government infuses. And what does the federal government say? For every dollar that we're going to put in $10, at least is going to come out of this, right? So there's the, now they're, the federal government is saying we've made a 300, at least billion dollar investment in ESG. But what corporations are saying and what if VC is saying, private equity is saying is no, 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 it's not one in 10, it's one in a hundred, right? So there's mm-hmm. a, you know, there's a trillions of dollars that's now being unlocked uh, by the federal government making this one investment, right, in green mm-hmm. technology. And so it's important to understand government's thinking. 
And it's an, and so a lot of companies fail to do that. They think, oh, well, I'm a hammer. They're a nail. I'm going to go, you know, they're going to do what I say or tell them no. And they're not listening to how the government is, um, uh, what the government is trying to tell them. And so if they, if you follow the right methodology, so the upstream products, right, to answer your question, the upstream product is basically, it's a, it's a, a dashboard. It's a, a, a platform that will allow, that allows you to completely manage your government relations portfolio uh, at scale. So you can have m- multiple clients, you can have multiple states. Uh, we have several clients with multiple states. And what we're doing is by allowing that scaling of their efforts, we're bringing them in. So, you know, let's say the average company who needs to lobby 25 states. Okay. Well, they can go off and negotiate 25 different agreements with 25 different consultants, right? Which is great. Mm -hmm. But if they need to scale their operations, uh, they utilize upstream, they get one, right? So if you've got 25 states you're operating in, you can use one service, right? You're saving 24 different contracts and all that time and effort and recruiting, and you're getting going. And so it, again, it allows you to manage your communications. It allows you to manage your, uh, your, uh, your projects. And again, unlimited, however many projects you have going on, it can manage those. You can track legislation. You can track regulation. You can identify mm-hmm. your, your stakeholders, the people that you need to be communicating with, track that communication. And, you know, I've always said every government affairs effort that I've ever been in, uh, involved in uh, fell apart at the end of the first phone call. Right. As everybody's hung up the phone, right. Everybody goes into business for themselves and it's a mad dash to the door. And so one of the other important things that we identified through, uh, you know, during customer outreach and idea validation was that it needed to fit within their existing communication systems and it needed to fit within their existing bias. Right. They needed to have something that reinforced what they're already doing. And so we've we have different tools within the platform that, you know, allow you to track legislation and build projects and all that other fun stuff. But it also helps you communicate with your clients and with internal team members. Um, hey, had meeting today. Um, this was the outcome of that meeting, and assign mm-hmm. tasks accordingly. And then you can track that you know your your stakeholder engagement as as the project you know evolves. There's no product on the market that is as transparent as Upstream and forward thinking, quite frankly, as as Upstream. It's taking government affairs to the next level, and it's going to make People that are doing it, whether they're in-house or whether they're lobbyists or you know, eventually mm-hmm. legislative staff or associations, it's going to make those people far, far more efficient and far, far more effective um, by leveraging our tool. So that's why we came up with the product. That's sort of what it does. And then some of like, you know, the initial benefits of it. For someone like me and probably probably a lot of people who are listening who's never who haven't <laughs> interacted with the government <laughs> on any form of business at all, um, I'm just wondering if you can lay out like a visual path for either a client that you have or what kind of, you know, what kind of industry or specific, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look for a specific example of how it works. So if I can visually map it out in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, I always say, I always, when people ask me this question, I always say company a, you know, like just think of any company, whatever company comes to mind for you, think of company a, and company A wants to sell a product in uh, all 50 states. And it's a, maybe it's a regulated product. Okay. And mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't understand about like regulated versus non-regulated, like, you know, podcasts 
uh, aren't technically regulated. They, I mean, they are technically the FTC, um, or FCC, excuse me, you know, could regulate it. Uh, maybe like, you know, Joe Rogan or something like a massive one. Um, yeah. but like, you know, your average company, company A, um, is going to be selling a regulated product that like, so long as they're not hurting somebody there, you know, you can pretty much sell that product. But let's say you want to sell it across 50 states and all of a sudden you identify, Ooh, I can sell this state. And you see, you hear it in commercials, you know, available in all states except for California, right? Yeah, or, you yeah. know, right. <laughs> Every time. So that's a regulated <laughs> product, right? Okay. So company A wants to sell a product and they all of a sudden they start identifying roadblocks. Ooh, there's a problem with this product as we have it built initially internally. Our prototype doesn't work in these 25 states. And so all of a sudden you need to go, or the, there's existing regulations or laws on the books that make it harder to sell this product. Mm. So then they would go, okay, well, I, we need to understand the, the landscape of that state, right? So you start out going, okay, well, I've a, you know, light bulb goes on, I've got a problem. So you would, let's say, you know, on a, this uh, hypothetical consumer journey, right? You would call Terrapin and you know, we would identify, okay, where, what's your scorecard, right? Where are your weaknesses? Where, and we break them down through a methodology and we say, okay, mm -hmm. you know, where are your knowledge and control problems? Do you have a lack of messaging issue? What are your unknown solutions? Who are the people that, you know, that you could be working with that you aren't working with, right? Really break them down and analyze them in what it is that they need to be doing in order to find those 25 states, right? To engage there, to make their product available in all 50 states, so you're right. If I'm trying to sell something and like I can get it in every single state except for 25, you're going to be there helping me to get where it needs to go on each 25 in, in each yes. individual state. In each individual oh, state. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and then it's not think just about that. Each right? state has its own rules and regulations to go through. Right. Oh. And, and that's where people get <laughs> bogged down. Right. And that's why like Bitcoin, like we're, we're huge. We're, we are like huge on Bitcoin and on crypto and on blockchain, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I tell everybody like, hey, you know, cell phones have scams too, guys, right? But we're attaching them to our brains here pretty soon. So um, like just because there are people that have done, there are some bad actors does not mean mm -hmm. that the technology is not valid and that the that there's not a, a, a tremendous use case um, mm -hmm. that could change the world and how we you know, absorb data and take things in. But one of the problems that the crypto uh, uh, industry faced, and we talked a lot about this, is that they said, oh, well, we don't like these regulations. So we're just going to go and we're in an unregulated space. So we're just going to go around those regulations. Well, hmm. look what happened to those people, right? They bankrupted themselves, they bankrupted their clients, and they got the SEC and the CFTC and every three-letter agency after them <laughs> right. Because they went around the rules. They made no friends in the process. Right. And now there, there's all these great actors and great use cases for this technology. But the people that went around that regulation, the people that went around that system, right. The one bad apple spoils the bunch. Right. Yeah. So that industry has so much to offer the world and humanity. And it's so important that legislators and regulators know that. And so like crypto or blockchain, blockchain more specifically is probably a better use case than company A or agriculture yeah, in this case. Yeah. And so what they need to do is they need to, again, establish, get their issue in front of the government, get their product and their service in front of the government to get them comfortable, improve communications with that. So that it's 
identifying right in whatever state it is, identifying the people that you need to, uh, to communicate with. And really a lot of times that people think, oh, I just need a big list. Just give me a big list and I'll send a thousand emails. Mm-hmm. You know, waste of time. Don't do it. Don't bother. If you're grassroots, yeah. go ahead. But if you're trying to do government relations, if you're trying to do like targeted action, you need to find the exact right person. And that's really yeah. daunting. That takes a lot of time. And so you need to find the right person. You need to find the, the right audience and get your craft, your messaging correctly for them, right? Who are they? Why do they care about blockchain? Why do they not like blockchain? Or why do they like blockchain? And you need to be, you know, you have mm-hmm. you need to have integrity and you need to come with honesty and you need to, you know, be be upfront with them. They want to hear your issues. They're there to help you. And again, whether mm-hmm. people agree with government all the time or not, well, I certainly don't, but whether you're there with them all the time or not on every single issue is not relevant to them, right? Mm-hmm. They're there to help you. And they truly, truly believe that. And so I think that the, the blockchain world has made a mistake by thinking, oh, we're going to end the Fed, we're going to topple the government and Web3 crypto, and we're all going to live in the yeah. in virtual reality. No, that isn't what's going to happen. And you have a tremendous technology in order to bring to the market. And let's let's get that to those people, those regulators, those legislators that are going to make those laws and regulations that are going to write, you know, govern essentially the product that you sell that is going to change the world. And it should. That makes sense for me now. That is a huge undertaking that you're doing. Like, I'm just imagining like one you know, tech startup, someone has a new service to, or offer to provide and they want to provide it to the uni- entire United States, but each right. state has to be on board for it. And then you're going to be there to help them, to guide them and be their advocate in front of all these different government organizations and relationships. I want yes. to take it down to like a micro level of... I know this might, I mean, this doesn't have to do with Terrapin, but I'm wondering if there could be some sort of a solution to this problem that I faced when I was in San Diego. So Mm -hmm. when I was living in uh, San Diego, I started to do podcast work for people and I started to generate some income. And then I had to report that income to the state. and But then I also had to report that income to the local city. So at that time, I was living in La Mesa. And yep. then I had to go to like the La Mesa. It's a small town within San Diego. And I had to yep. get a permit to work within the city of La Mesa. And then the same thing, an uh, example for uh, plumbers, they have, to get a, they have to get a license to work yep. in La Mesa, which is a 10 miles, very, you know, small. And yep. then right next to La Mesa is El Cajon, which is another small mm-hmm. town, but they cannot work in El Cajon until they go to the El Cajon, like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> situation yeah. and get their license. Yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. like 20 or 30 small little towns all around each other. I was like, man, I wish there's, I could just go to one place and just get one license for the, well, obviously for the entire state. Right. I could work anywhere in this state or at least... But now you have to get a license in the state, in the city of San Diego, and then each little city. But that's just like how nuanced it can get down to. Yep. And then yep. like such a big headache. And then I'm like thinking about, you know, Terrapin, maybe there's a little subset of Terrapin. It's like, just submit one, get all your license yep, right. everywhere, you <laughs> miss, Mr. Plumber, you. But now you expand if the plumber wants to work over the entire United States and expand mm-hmm. I at that point they would go maybe to someone like you right, to help yeah. them to get regulated in each state. Is that another way to look at it? That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And there's actually a really exciting startup called GovPilot and they do local ordinance related 
you know, like they call it the, I think they call it the operating system for local government, I think is what they call themselves. And they have like those forms and everything else and it's automated. So if you need to, Hey, you know, you only need to be like, you know, you need to be certified as a plumber and then you need to be licensed right when it's in a particular town. And if you can scale that, right. That like a group like GovPilot, I think is really exciting for stuff like mm. you're talking about, you know, yeah. occupational licensure, occupational licensure and like, Cert, uh, certifications for for certain types of employment is like a really controversial issue at the local and state levels and where like you'll see things like you know you've got to go to you know everybody agrees of you know an airline pilot right like that bill i was talking about earlier on my first day in yeah. college was about like the certification required for an airline pilot and it was there and i was like well why wouldn't we want these people to be certified it's a Freaking airplane, you know, we're good 36,000 feet going 600 miles an hour. Of course, that should be regulated. But, you know, things like, you know, uh, maybe certain types of food um, service or, uh, you know, nail salons or hair salons, like that kind of thing, like um, certain types of like handyman work, right? Like it tends to be where I'll put it this way. Local government is not any more bureaucratic than anybody else. Oftentimes, those local governments are are experiencing regulatory uh, burden from the state government, maybe from mm. the federal government, depending on what it is that they're doing. And one of the things is like, they don't want to see like shoddy, you know, like you were, you were mentioning plumbing in, in La Mesa. Yeah. <laughs> At some point in time in California, somebody went to Sacramento and said, you know, we've got a problem. We've got these DIY people that are coming in and they're, they're charging cut rate prices and the plumbers all get together and the plumbers say, you need to be a licensed plumber. I'm a licensed plumber. So the Plumber Association of California goes to Sacramento and gets a bill passed that requires that every single city requires for a permit, right? When you're redoing your bathroom or your kitchen, that you have to have a licensed plumber do it, right? Mm. That's called a barrier to entry. Because say you want to come along and you're not a plumber and you're not a plumber yet, right? You're not a licensed plumber and you want to get into that space. The existing plumbers have already gotten certified. They've already gotten licensed. They've already gotten all of this stuff in. And, and, and in most cases, probably half of them got grandfathered in. Hey, anybody new that comes in, if you're doing something called a threshold, like, hey, if a threshold of 1,000 you know, clients, um, you don't, you know, you need to get licensed or something. Sometimes that can happen. Mm -hmm. So the incumbents, right, the people that are in the market when the law passes, right, they've already baked into the equation, right, the cost, the compliance costs. Right. But that startup, that new plumber that's never done this before, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I want to, you know, there's a, let's say a hundred cities in California I can work with. And I have to be licensed in all hundred cities before I can do work. And then meanwhile, Mr. Plumber, right. You know, <laughs> with, with the big plumber building a, and all the trucks and everything that's running yeah. all the radio ads. Right. Oh, you know, I can do a franchise opportunity for you. Right. So like it's, it makes sense. There's consumer protections involved. There's industry protections that are involved in those types of things. I've been on both sides of those debates, right? Licensure mm -hmm. versus non-licensure, thresholds versus non-thresholds. But at the end of the day, intelligent incumbents use those thresholds as barriers to entry for their competitors. And that's where people get frustrated with certain efforts by government, right? By, by those like tedious little regulations. And that's something that like government needs to hear about, right? That's what, to my point. You need to get your issue in front of the government and improve your communications to set up long-term success. And then also what we're talking about at the very beginning, I don't think we recorded this part, but just like the business is a game where there are rules, but there <laughs> right. are no rules. And those who are able to man manipulate the rules in their favor are going to be the winners. And 
Mm-hmm. Not manipulate, but I mean, kind of. Right. Everyone's just making up rules as they go along to better themselves right. and better their business to always continue to grow. And uh, I don't know. It's no, a weird. It's, it's weird know, out here. <laughs> right. Well, you know, we one of the lines we use is that we say, you know, like, hey, you know, declare, hey, this is what it is I'm going to do, and list others, give back, and enter the fray. Right. So you're entering the fray, and 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 you are doing yourself a disservice if you're not protecting your business interest, and you're mm-hmm. doing a disservice if you're not going, hey. You know, La Mesa, California has way too many shoddy DIY guys that are coming in and doing, um, you know, we're putting good plumbers out of business and we're, you know, because we're going to these jobs um, where this like handyman guy came in and did a crappy, you know, put a gardening hose in the kitchen, right? And all the next thing we know, the house is flooded, right? It's sort of like seatbelt laws, right? Like mm. not wearing a seatbelt, people get mad when they get pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt. And I always say to this, I say the same thing that I would say to like a plumber person, right? It's like, Okay, well, you can not wear a seatbelt. That's certainly your choice. I said, but my choice as a commuter and as a voter is to say, I don't like when the freeway gets shut down because you're not wearing a seatbelt and you get killed, right? Mm. Or you kill someone else who's not wearing a seatbelt and it shuts the freeway down for six hours, right? Especially in you know Southern California, right? There's hundreds of millions of dollars of cost because you chose not to wear a seatbelt. There's an incredible amount of cost if you choose to use a, a shoddy uh, handyman, right, to redo your kitchen. Because when your sink floods and then you need your insurance company, right, to come and send someone out and then they write you a check and then you need new people. There's, you know, the government needs to write more and more and more permits because you did one thing wrong. And it's important for people to remember. They're like, so, yeah, it's not manipulation, right? It's you're exactly right. It's simply just saying, hey, like, this is how business should be done. And we're the people that are doing it and we're going to, you know, make our case. And if people agree with us, then it's going to become law. And if it's legal, it'll become law. And I think it's, it's a good, you know, kind of, you know, comparison between, um, you know, local regulations versus like wearing a seatbelt, right? Some people think like, no, it's my freedom. I should, I should be able to not wear a seatbelt. Sure. You can. Um, But the, the consequences of not wearing a seatbelt, the consequences of not using a licensed plumber, right? Have, effects that you're maybe not thinking about today. Wow, Jason, no, I really, I'm glad I kind of went off on that side change because this really helped me to like solidify uh, my thinking on this whole process. And now I'm going to make regulations so for no bad sounding podcasts. None, none, none exactly. are allowed. Exactly. If you don't have a podcast, you got to call Nick and you got to get approval from him. <laughs> okay. So let's move back to uh, Terrapin Strategies. Um, I, I kind of want to know more about your clients and kind of your ideal clients or what kind of clients you're looking for and how are you spreading your message about Terrapin and Upstream and perhaps the other services you offer, which we haven't really gotten into yet. Yeah. So we do, you know, we're a startup and so we kind of do all of the above, right? We, we always cast a wide net, right. And then focus, we, we try not to prematurely scale, Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's our marketing or our sales, but you know, at the same time, we need to be communicating with our customers, right? Like one of the things that we've learned, you know, from you know Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, uh, Michael Seibel, who's one of like the lead partners of Y Combinator, anybody that talks about like what a, f- a founder or a startup needs to be doing is talking to your customers and working on your product. Right. And anybody that's looking to start a company, if you are not talking to your customers and working on your product, you're wasting your time. And so 
you know, once you've burned through your, you know, your cell phone contacts and your, maybe your LinkedIn contacts and maybe your email contacts, because I seem to have different types of contacts that I can communicate with different ways. But is once you've, you know, exhausted those efforts, right, you need to keep talking to more customers. And so we, you know, we utilize uh, Substack. Uh, we try to do, you know, every other week or once a week. It just depends on how busy we are. And and that one is really focused on on startups and on companies that are new to government relations, right? That they may or may not have gotten to that point, right? Maybe they're maybe they've just reached the revenue stage, and they're like, okay, I've got proof of concept, I've got funding, I need a contract with the government because my you know I my solution is tailor made for an enterprise level SaaS for some government agency. Mm-hmm. And so talking to founders and talking to startups um, and and sort of doing like a government affairs 101, talking with them like about, hey, this is what you're going to experience. This is why there's roadblocks. Don't get frustrated. Keep going. Uh, you know, you've got a future to build. We, we all are relying on you. Don't stop. Mm-hmm. That's really been sort of like our, our, you know, our marketing strategy is like, we believe in you. There are a lot of people that believe in you. Keep going. Keep building. Um, and so we did a build in public series uh, when, for our first six months. I think it was a yeah, it was about first six months where we talked about the lessons that we were learning, right, and the things mm-hmm. that we were experiencing. And I got so much great feedback from that build in public series. And we don't do it anymore because we're really not building in public anymore, right? We're just a company now, right? We're still a startup. We're still you know fi- you know in that mindset, but we don't feel like we're building in the same way we were a year ago. And so we've. So Substack, LinkedIn is great. Um, we are a part of a, uh, we've been a part of an accelerator uh, program for about a year now, uh, startups.com, uh, but it's a founders group. And there's great resources uh, for people that are looking to start uh, a startup. And it could be any kind, or it could be a podcast or a government relations startup. It would work for anybody. Yeah, I went to startups.com. And then um, I went through their funnel thing and I signed up and I had a one-on-one discussion with them. Yeah, they give you a lot of good resources and they connect with, um, I don't know if they give you an advisor to connect with and then mm-hmm. he's going to help they you do. out in your industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking into that for later this year because I'm still going through another program at this time. But okay, so um, I forgot to ask. Okay, yeah. so... Terrapins, when was this founded or when did you found Terrapin strategy? Yeah, Terrapin, we just had our first birthday. Um, nice. Happy birthday. Yeah, she's, she's 13 <laughs> months. Yeah, she's 13 months old. Uh, January uh, of 2022 was when the incorporation paperwork was done. I feel like, I don't know if you do this, but I feel like you should be making a lot of educational content or educational blogs or articles for startups to read. So when they start Googling and searching, well, how do I get this in front of the whole government like atmosphere or space? Um, I'm not sure if there's resources out there or not. There, you know, there really isn't. I mean, you know, because if you read the media and again, I'm not criticizing the media for this. But it's sensationalized. I think everybody agrees with that. And that it's, yeah. And that they tend to reduce like decision points of the reader to the lowest common denominator. And our stuff is kind of highbrow. I'm not not saying that it's like super smart, but it's like, hey, it's pretty nuanced. And, um, but we're getting really good feedback in in the numbers. um, You know, when we look at our metrics, you know, they're all in the green. Right, we're 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 gaining followers. We're 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 finding our audience. We're finding our voice too, and that's really really important. But if you know anybody that has a podcast, like 
let me know and like, you know, uh, or, or could help people start podcasts. Let me know someday we might be in the market for one. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, that content is really important when we think of our, like our four kind of pillars of like, when we think about our customers, right. It's like, you know, like windows for opportunities are shrinking, right. There's a lot of opportunities um, and, and for consumers uh, people are looking for, you know, breadth and depth uh, of knowledge and, you know, but content is really, really important. And especially like for modern consumption, right? Every single person that I talk to is like, okay, I've been to your website. I've been to your Substack, I've checked out your LinkedIn page, right? Like, so they've looked at me, they've looked at me over three different times before they've ever, you know, heard my voice. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important for us to put out consistent content that's consistent with what we can deliver, right? And what our products and services uh, uh, offer. And so I think that's the, the important thing. I, th- I see some people doing content and it's like, and it doesn't go anywhere, right? I don't know why they're putting the content out. And I think it's really important for sound, for founders, for sure, to, to be like, okay, what is the, you know, you're, you're, especially on LinkedIn or Substack, you're talking to your stranger, right? You're not talking to your best friend. You're talking to somebody you never heard of before. And, uh, you're, and, and you've got to speak generally, but also be engaging and show that you have a unique perspective. Yeah. So you're kind of saying also with each piece of content, you need some form of not a call to action or at least leading the viewer listener somewhere. Yeah. Because like, you know, when I, when I think of like engaging content that I like, that I actually click through to, right. It's like, Oh, this person has a unique take on something. Um, I can, before I even click on it, I know what I'm going to be getting when it's over with. And I, and there might be more I'm interested. Right. And I think that some people um, miss the interest part. They miss the hook. And and that's something we've been, we've spent a year on and I'm not saying we've got it yet, but that's yeah. something we're always working towards. Yeah. I feel like when you're viewing content, it's either you want to be educated, you want to learn something, you want to be inspired or lifted up to go do something, or right. you just want to be entertained and just like yeah. that was funny or somewhat entertained. Um, yeah. I don't know. What other reasons would someone watch content or listen besides being entertained, educated, inspired? I know I'm just kind of thinking. <laughs> right yeah, no, right but now. it's a good point. No, it's a good point. And I think that like when you see content that doesn't do those things, you don't look at it. You and you and you do everything you can to forget that you ever saw it. Right. So, so what we try to do is be funny. We sometimes we try to be serious. Sometimes we try to be engaging. We try to be thoughtful. We try to do those things. And what's very difficult right now is just the amount of content people are putting out and can put out. I, you know, I was kind of preaching 10x your content and here's how to do it super easily. I'm like, but now since you are 10xing, it's just like so much noise out there from every single person that I'm like, I don't even know if it's good to be putting out so much content unless, of course, you have a really, really good message and you're just trying to get your message out there. And that depends on every single person individually. For sure. Yeah. And then it's getting even more insane because just this morning, I I like to create reels, like a minute, minute, 30 second Mm -hmm. of reels that are educational. Hopefully someone gets like a good little, you know. Some something out of it. I pu- I took the transcript, I put it in Chat GPT, and I said, "Now turn it into a blog article." And then with a certain like, I would make sure that 
these keywords are search engine optimized, whatever. And so it spit it out. And I was like, this is beautiful. Copy paste into my blog. I went to Dolly, which is the image mm -hmm. generator. <laughs> and then yep. I typed in oh, some yeah. things. I've already so burned through all my credits on yeah. Dolly too, for sure. Yeah, I haven't done this yet. And then, because I just listened to another podcast the other day talking about all this. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And because I just created my own website for insidetheoffer.com. And mm -hmm. And I was going to my other website, everywhere.media, and I, w I was like, okay I, okay, I need to figure out how to put out some more blog posts because I listened to another podcast talking about search engine optimization. So <laughs> the learning rabbit hole can go <laughs> really far down. And so I did that, and then I took the Dolly photo, put it in Photoshop, put the text on, and then exported it and put it in the blog post. And I was like, it's a nice blog post that I did. Yes, it took me like an hour to figure all this stuff out, but the next time I can do it, I'll just real transcript, you know, blog post, and then photo, and then it's ready to go. But then I do read through it and make sure that it's in my tone and in my voice yeah. and whatnot. So just the amount of content that's going to be putting out there it's in the near future is just more and more insane, which goes back to, I think this pendulum is swinging more back to community base and or interacting with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I don't know if I'm right or not wrong about that, but it just kind of feels that way that there's just, I don't even like to go on the internet too much, too, too, too much. I mean, I do, of course, but yeah. it's just too much. I just want to start interacting with people. And that's kind of the point of this podcast I'm doing. It's like, I want to interact with other people who are doing kind of what I'm doing. There's the gig economy is huge. There's a lot of people doing individual, individualized people who are providing a service. I just want us all to connect and gather and kind of help build each other up. And that's Love kind of what I'm hoping through this. Now, mm -hmm. going back to Terrapin, you're doing a lot of good things. And yes, I still think you should put out content, educational content to help people to be informed about you because it's important because it sounds like you <laughs> are solving a major headache. I would not <laughs> want to go through and try to <laughs> get some products like regulated in each state. Um, I would, so you do have that one product you talked about. It was upstream, which is mm -hmm. your SAS product. It, yeah, it's a proto, it's a prototype and yeah, it's a prototype application and, uh, the upstream two uh, beta is coming. Um, and we're just getting all of the pieces in place for that. We've, uh, begun, um, sort of the initial, uh, you know, like, DevOps, like, okay, this is what we're going to need to do. Um, here's the wireframe. Here's what it is that's coming. Okay, so th that's like your uh, one to many. So a lot of people can use this one product. What other kind of services do you offer? Do you offer a more one-on-one -on -one specialized? Maybe the, mm -hmm. someone's like, I don't want to go through a product. Can you just help me get in front of all these people, individualized mm -hmm. specialty mm -hmm. service? Yes, yeah. So we have essentially like two layers of that. The first one is you know, sort of an initial consultation um, that's far, far more in depth that will we, again, identify exactly what it is that you need to, where your, you know, where your barriers are, where your opportunities are and where your connections are, right? A mm -hmm. lot of people say like, you know, I just don't know the government space and I don't need to pay somebody, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to get into that space. Um, so we have uh, a, a service that does that. We also have you know, sort of done for you government relations services as well. And so, and all of our consultants leverage the upstream prototype, right? The platform. So mm -hmm. they're communicating with their clients or managing their products. We're using our own product, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the one thing too, that I think 
for anybody that's starting a business, right? Because that's kind of like your sort of your core audience, right? For anybody that's starting a business, if you can't solve your own problem with your product, start over. Ah, yeah. Right? Our initial version of our product did not solve our problem. It had too much to it. We had 21 original features and and it was too much. And I sat there and I, won, I, I, I did like a project for myself and it was like hours. It took me to figure all that whole thing out. And I built the stupid thing. We condensed that down again, worked on our product, talked to our customers. We went from 20 features to four. So mm. it solves our problem. When we're designing things, we use it, right? When we're managing our clients, we use it. And it makes us again, more efficient. It makes us more effective. So Yes, they're different. It's a product and a service, but every consultant that's going to be doing the government relations for you or is going to be doing any consulting for you, they are leveraging that information. They're leveraging our database. They're leveraging our our our, um, our analytical tools or measuring all of those things. And so, they're, again, our consultants are, are more efficient uh, and, and can handle more things at scale. And so that's, again, an, another immediate value prop to anybody that uses us, right? It's like, oh, you can do more with less. Right. It's like the Marines, right? Semper Gumby, always flexible. And so we, that's one, that's uh, our operator service. And it's again, we are going and we're, you know, maybe advocating um, directly for you with a government agency. Uh, you know, maybe we're doing what would be considered lobbying work. And, you know, it's not always lobbying, right? It's not always reportable, but it might be. And so we do that. And then we, our final product is called Observer. And Observer is um, where you, Say maybe you need to track particular legislation or regulation or build a list of shareholders and you need to understand uh, or you have unique data needs, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the government space, right? Data is, is horribly underused in the government space. And with AI, you know, with machine learning, people are starting to figure out how to use those data sets, right? And that's really great. So this is like a new and budding industry that Terrapin is investing heavily in. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're putting a lot of time and effort into this into this product because it's um, – into observer because it's like, okay, well there are government, there's data that people need, right. That can make large decisions, especially at a global level. And so we're also identified, we've also identified uh, opportunities in the data space as well. And that's all going to be leveraged uh, via the upstream platform. And, and again, even the name upstream itself has meaning and it's, you know, it's pulling yourself upstream from a problem, right? Like don't be downstream, be upstream. Yeah. Man, yeah, okay, yeah. To me, like your your business, it sounds like a good solution, but it also sounds like a headache to build and actually bring into fruition. Which I'm it, sure. it only took ten years to figure <laughs> it, it out, so it's really not that long, right? Okay. <laughs> but it, it is. Um, I'm glad you started it. So you and your um, co-founder, you have a co-founder, yeah. correct? Mary mm-hmm. Jones, from mm-hmm. what I remember. Mary Jones. Yes. Well, good. Good for y'all. There's like, moving forward. So. I'm excited to see just the future of Terrapin, maybe have you on, you know, like every other year, you know, just to see like, okay, where are you at now, Jason? You have us on whenever you want. Okay, cool. So uh, I guess a little more technical part of your business, let's get into maybe kind of like, what's the the process that a client will go through? Because now you have these varying levels of products. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess maybe talk about, the client journey that they go through from like start to finish, if you have that mapped out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. So what the, like the ideal client journey, right. Would be 
hey, I'm new to this government space, company A, right? Company A is new to the government space. They maybe have experienced a problem or there's a regulatory hurdle or, or a bill has been passed that is going to make it harder, right? A lot of people think like, like, oh, in six months, right? I used to, when I, when I moved over into the private sector, it was like, oh, we'll, we'll deal with that in six months. And after like a couple of days, I'm like, I kind of raised my hand. I'm like, why do we keep kicking the can down the road six months? And they're like, well, you know, because the government, you know, they're difficult, they're slow. And I'm like, who told you that? <laughs> like, whoever said, let's just sit and wait six. Now, of course, strategic pausing makes some sense with the government, right? At certain times, right? But in other times, it's like, no, no, we need this approval now. Like, why are we waiting six months? Because, you know, it didn't make any sense to me. If it's so going to take them six months to get a response, you need the response now, you know, to get it going right now, you know, because it might go. take Start them the six clock. months. Yeah. Okay. Right. Start the clock as is one of the things I would say. And that could be, you know, that could be with your goals, with your dreams, with working on your product, with fixing your marriage or being you know happier when your kids come home. Start the clock now. Don't mm-hmm. wait six months. Start right now. Mm-hmm. And and even if you just decide to start, just start. So, yeah. So, so, you know, initially, you know, get you in and find out again, what are your goals long term? What are you trying to establish? Right. So many people are thinking like, okay, well, I waited six months. Right. And uh, now I'm six months behind. It's going to take six months to get an answer. So now I'm really 18 months behind my initial goal. Right. So don't wait. So if they come in, right, company A comes in and they want to analyze again their 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 problems, they want to go through and say, okay, this is what I need. This is why I'm having a problem. These are my knowledge and control issues, right? I don't understand what I don't understand and I can't control anything. And so lay, you know, let's create a strategic framework. Then we go through and we build out that strategic framework, right? Okay, these are the people you need to talk to. These are the issues that you need to, you know, overcome, right? This is maybe a problem that you we've identified. This is a real problem. We got to fix that first, right? Where we essentially provide some scoring on, okay, you know, start here. This is, you know, messaging is your least important thing, right? Uh, you know, solving your knowledge problem is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And then you start advocating, right? And you start engagement, right? So you start with like, you know, a due diligence phase, you move into an engagement phase. And now all of a sudden, okay, well, now I'm conversing with legislators. Now I'm talking to regulators. Now I'm talking to, admin, you know, uh, you know, executive level staff about very complex things, like let's say tax law or occupational licensure. And you're talking about these extremely complex things with that are extremely politically charged, right? These, like, you know, taxes is a big deal, right? Occupational licensure, those are big deals. And so you've got to go in and be very, very careful and very, very logical about how it is that you're approaching those things. Mm-hmm. And again, if you've waited six months to get started and it took you six months to get an answer, you're, you're a year into this process and you're behind the eight ball You've missed all the legislation that they've negotiated and passed in the meantime. You've missed the regulations. You didn't spend any time and effort into it. And then you're saying, well, you're just a bunch of crooks. You know, that's what happens to a lot of people in government, right? Especially when I was a legislative staff. I was like, well, we haven't been paying attention for the last 50 years, but we don't like what you're doing. Mm. And it's like, oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, like I would have loved to have heard from you a year ago. I would have done something about this because I really agree with you. And I think you're right. We screwed up. And so that's, again, why you've got to get yourself in front of your issue in front of the government. Then again, you need to have good, strong communication. So you build that good, do your due diligence, you build your your strategic framework. Now you can have better communications, right? You know who your stakeholders are. You know what they want to hear. And then again, you're setting yourselves up for long-term success. And so that's where, again, where you now you're going to monitor, right? So now you've gone through, you've gotten your award, you've gotten this law passed, and now you need to babysit it. 
right? You need to make sure that everything stays, uh, you know, in, in, in what's a good favor or a good light for you. And you need to keep an eye on the government space, right? If you're in a regulated market. So you know, okay, oh, now all of a sudden this issue isn't a problem. Like in California, right? Like, okay, well, we've solved the occupational licensure issue, but now we've got AB5, which is like, you know, cybersecurity, you know, requirements, right? That's a whole other ball of wax. And so now that's going to impact us. Okay, but we haven't taken our eye off the ball. We've been focused on this and and now we can re-engage again if we need to. So that's sort of like an ideal client journey um, that we would have, you know, of, of course, that doesn't work for everybody. And so we have, you know, we have custom pricing. We work with our, especially with founders, we like to work with them. Because I have to say, you do a lot. I'm going to, like, how in the world do you even price this? Do you kind of like, can we sit down with them, come up with like a huge game plan? It seems like some of these things might take even a few years to accomplish. Mm-hmm. It's like, is it yeah. like, oh, well, do you like charge up front for the entire fee and then at the very end, like if we get it, then you can pay the rest. Like how, how does that look like on kind of like a personal one-on-one level with a client? Yeah, we, you know, one thing we've learned is, is to try not to provide discounts. It's not fair to the customer. The customer is the first one that, that suffers in that scenario. And so anybody that's starting a company don't provide discounts, no matter what they say, don't provide a discount. If it char- if it costs something, charge that mm-hmm. because because then you're putting 100 percent effort into it. They're putting 100 percent effort into it, right? And they know that like it's on the up and up, and and it's being doing right by your customer is the most important thing, right? Always, and so charge what it costs first. Be honest, and if it, and if it's too expensive for them, then they can either wait another six months and until they are ready, or they can go find somebody to do it cheaper. And I'm not saying that they can't. But so it's it's really important to charge what it costs. And so, but we do have custom pricing based on A, the client's needs, right? And what their expectations are and what their goals are. So maybe they have a budget and they they have goals and objectives that are something that we can help with, but maybe they've only got a budget for three months or a year, right? Okay, well, we're not going to sell them a hundred years, right? Like we're going to build that project based on what their goals are and what their capabilities are at the time and what their budget is. And that's, again, that's another thing about being doing right by the customer every step of the way and being customer focused first and, and not worrying about how much money you're making, not worried about this or that, worrying about the customer first. We can always, we feel like we've, we give really fair pricing and and that we're, we, we feel good at the end of the day when we, when our head hits the pillow Right, that we've we've given them a, the fairest deal that we possibly can, and that they're going to be happy and they're going to be you know ecstatic when they're done, and they're gonna they're gonna tell their friends. Yeah, I can only imagine like these companies coming to you with pretty insane problems. So, and you got to come up I've with like an, ins- an insane solution. Um, so, mm-hmm. okay, no, yeah, that makes sense. This is probably one of the most unique businesses so far that I have kind of in- encountered. Um, I'm trying to think of all the different business industries. So mm-hmm. <laughs> good for you, Jason, <laughs> like taking hey, it on and going, going for it. <laughs> all right. And now what's your team like right now with at Terrapin Strategy? How many people are running this beast of an operation? Yeah. So it's our, like the management team is uh, my founder, uh, co-founder and I, Mary. And we just uh, brought in a director of strategic partnerships, Tiffany uh, Kovaleski is her name. And she's coming over from the DOD space and has worked in multiple different roles within um, the governmental and like, you know, advocacy association level. 
Then we have uh, a person on the back end uh, doing like back end uh, database development, and and then we have sort of our you know we have our advisory group and our board that's that are both very active and helpful. And, and, you know, so we've got, and we're always talking to new talent, right? Like I sometimes feel like, especially as we've gotten going, I kind of feel like a general, you know, general manager of a football team. Like I'm always looking yeah. for the best person to plug in, you know, you know <laughs> the best thing for Terrapin. And, but it's really true is, the, you know, and the phone is starting to ring and we're, we're there's a lot of excitement about what it is that we're doing. And that, that mm-hmm. is something that's, I'm not saying that that's new because there's always been excitement about it. Yeah. But it, there's something that's just like, it was like a, switch got flipped and all of a sudden now we're starting to to take a lot more phone calls about like hey you guys are doing something cool let's talk yeah. you know and that's that's been really wonderful and rewarding so yeah so hopefully we'll grow quite a bit here in 2023 we don't have any like hard targets or limits or numbers mm-hmm. um but our our intention is certainly to continue that growth um on the personnel side and then of course in the the you know the investments in the technology awesome okay i kind of want to just Real quick, just, I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but I'm just trying to just like bring it all together. Let's just say someone like me, it's like, okay, I'm tired of all these podcast producers or editors out there just putting out as many, you know, as podcasts as they want. A lot of them are horrible sounding and it's just like so much Mm -hmm. noise in the space. We want to elevate the space and make it a little more professional. Is there Mm -hmm. a way to like come up with like, okay, I... want to create a certification like you have to be podcast certified in order to Mm -hmm. like even be considered to upload your podcast to the rss feeds or whatnot to the to the world which then would create a lot of regulations where each audio file has to be very you know specifically like regulated with tools and Mm -hmm. whatnot and only the person who stamped with approval can even go through the process so I was right. just kind of thinking, I was like, okay, if I wanted to undercut other people and like not let other people <laughs> who are learning to come in so easily, they have to go through like this intense certification to even get to right. it. And then like I created this certification, but then I build the service. <laughs> I build out the certification and be like, okay, right. now you have to pay me to get certified so you can do what I'm doing. That That's not related to what you do, is it? Or is that like some other kind of like government affairs you would start doing? And Yeah, no, it, I think that there's, you know, you're always looking at, and I always say this, we're always looking at the law of unintended consequences. And yeah. so it's like, oh, okay, well, this, is, this seems like a great idea. You know, like Nick wants to do a podcast certification. We want better sounding podcasts out there. But at the same time, you're like, okay, well, but we really don't want to like get people to stop doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like we just want to make sure that, yeah. yeah. Right. We want, we want Nick to get more listeners, right. Or like, or to have better, um, better quality podcasts out there, whatever the end goal may be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, I think that if you were like, I'm sure that the, the like river, you know, whoever, you know, Apple podcasts or, you know, Google play, you know, the whoever uh, Podbean or whoever, they have analytics. They probably already do that in a rather informal way. And there's, I'm sure there's some types of standards and practices, you know, entities, obviously, you know, Twitter, the Twitter files, right. We've been seeing that, um, you know, like their sort of internal process of how they, you know, uh, manage types of mm-hmm. content, right. So Twitter obviously has the verified uh, check mark and, and other things. So like, so you can do that again at the government level, but there's always that unintended consequence. There's always that risk. 
And you always need to try to create right the most competitive advantage you can for yourself, but always have an eye towards, okay, what about the health of the industry, mm-hmm. right? Because if we lock ourselves off, right, and we're this insular little space and we have our own little area, well, we're going to get, you know, somebody's going to go around us and somebody's mm-hmm. going to create, I mean, like, to a certain extent, blockchain is that with certain supply and logistical uh, technologies, right? They became very insular in their thinking and blockchain crypto came along and said, no, 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 we can do this differently. We can do this faster and cheaper and better. And so there's great, like, uh, getting around the bank, cause, the bank system. And so, and that'd be like, right. what you're talking about is them getting around this like regulated podcast system. There's always going to be like a way. And you're, you, you're thinking about all the different avenues that it, it's a decision could make. Yeah. And you're, so you're not, and you're not done. Right. So once you got that threshold, right. Once you got that certification, right. You're not done. Right. You've got to, you know, continue to support the industry. Right. So you have, you know, talented people that are coming up behind you. Right. That, that, uh, that can take over for, you know, or that you've got a a talent pool to choose from that you've got, um, you know, a healthy market and ecosystem and especially an ecosystem that, that, that people have trust in. And this is, again, where, mm-hmm. where crypto is in trouble or blockchain's in trouble, right? That ecosystem isn't as trusted as it should be. And so, you know, you're not done. Once you create that threshold, that certification, right? You've got to make sure, okay, now I've got to have plumbers, right? Because I'm going to eventually lose a plumber here or there. And so I need to be able to replace them. Uh, yeah. And so it's, you know, it's only part of it, right? And I think that we're, and and so usually when you get something like a threshold or, or certification or a licensure requirement put in, it usually requires more effort on the back end, right? It's, yeah. but you've just baked that into the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's a, it is kind of a double-edged sword. So I, don't, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it just helps me to just kind of understand like everything going on yeah. in the world, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So Jason, I just quick little wrap up. Just, I would love to know about the future of Terrapin and just kind of any advice you have for startups and business owners, especially after your first full year of business. Wow. Yeah. It's been, it's been a wild year and, um, you know, start the clock, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'll come back to that over and over and over again, start the clock, just, just do something as my, you know, middle school football coach told me like, just do something, just do anything. Like as soon as the ball gets snapped, just run somewhere. Don't just stand there. Right. Like that is such a great lesson, right. In life, just do something. And, you know, so, I mean, the future Terrapin, I'm very excited about where we're headed. And like I said, I think you're going to continue to see, you know, growth in uh, not only the amount of clients that we have, right, but in like our our reach and 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 the people that are working with us and for us, we're going to continue to make um, investments in technology. Um, we're going to try to be you know as far forward as we can, um, but also understanding you know the type of industry that we're selling into, and then like certain technologies uh, may not be best suited for certain you know types of uh, operators in that space, and so we're going to continue to make. But again. We're going to continue to make uh, investments in technology. We're going to continue to invest in the future, and we're we're not going to stop. and And this is you know the wildest ride that uh, that we've ever been on for sure. Me um, and I've been to war twice, so like this is the craziest thing I've ever done. And so I, I'm we're having a, a blast, and we're growing, and we're getting better at it. And uh, it's just a, a ton of fun. And just get started, keep building, don't stop. But again talk to your customers or work on your product. Everything else is a waste of time. Awesome. 
Thank you so much, Jason. And of course, Jason, I want to thank you for your service and for just taking this time out of your day to speak with us. I really appreciate it. And what's the best way that for people to connect with you and to learn more about you? Yeah, Terrapin Strategy on LinkedIn. And um, I'll get you our Substack link and TerrapinStrategy.com is our website. And yeah, so our Substack is where we kind of push out a lot of our content and and talk a lot about uh, again what it's like to be a, a startup and, and and how startups should be looking at government because again today's founders you know are tomorrow's incumbents right like yeah. you're a disruptor today but in thirty years you know you're going to be old man or old woman river you know like you know living in DC you know like you're you're going to be an incumbent someday and so you need to start thinking about these things and so yeah so our substack our linkedin and our website are great uh places to connect with us we love hearing from people and uh yeah that's where i would send you okay perfect and of course i'll have all of those links in the show notes you can go there you find them all at insidetheoffer.com thank you so much jason thanks Nick. good to hear from you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inside the Offer. I have thoroughly enjoyed making these episodes, but now I want to hear from you. Who are some people that I should reach out to? Which industry should I dive into and to learn more about? I want this podcast to be here for us to learn more about how we can continue to grow our businesses. So please rate and review Share this episode, share this podcast, and please reach out. You can do so by reaching directly out to me by going to insidetheoffer.com and sending me a message. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to be back with you all next week. Hey everyone, Nick Chamberlain here, and I just wanted to let you know that we are coming out with new episodes very soon. So stay tuned, and you're going to love what we have to offer inside the offer.